morning. Our scripture this morning comes from the prophet Jeremiah. It's a well-known and beloved passage. It's uh, verses 4 through 7 and verse 11, chapter 29. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Holy Spirit, we ask that you dwell in this place, dwell in our minds and our hearts. Lord, let us hear your word for us this morning, we pray. Amen. So, have you ever been late getting somewhere, and as you are safely and carefully speeding down the road to your destination, you see that dreaded orange sign, detour ahead? Ah, no. We cry out as we pound the steering wheel and curse the universe. The injustice of it all. As a side note, and I'm about to take a detour in this sermon right now, I drove in California for 10 years. I then drove in New Jersey for three years, and I swear I came across less road work in those 13 years combined than I did my first year living in Richmond, Virginia. What is up with that? And just when I thought it couldn't get any worse, last year... Roadwork started on Cary Street, as if it wasn't already hard enough to drive through Cary Street. These are what you call first world problems. Have you ever heard of first world problems? They're problems that are only encountered by those who live in rich, developed countries like ours. They're meant to provide a little perspective and to make fun of our small and ultimately insignificant frustrations. So I put together on some slides a few of my favorite first world problems. So we'll see one here. My laptop is dying, but the charger is in another room. A true tragedy, right? Asked for no whipped cream on my tall Starbucks order. Gave me a grande with extra whipped cream. Asked Santa for a 32-gigabyte black iPhone, but got a 16-gigabyte white iPhone instead. (laughs) Truly tragic. I have more clothes than clothes hangers. (laughs) But I digress. As much as it is a first-world problem, it remains true that nobody likes having to take a detour. On the road, yes, but also in life. 
Jeremiah wrote his prophecy to the Hebrew exiles who had recently been carried into captivity in Babylon. It was a detour. It was not where they wanted to be. It is not where they thought that they would be. It seemed to them as if life had taken them on a detour to the the wrong place. We know about these kinds of detours. We are not people without plans. But it is usually not long before something happens that we did not plan. Or something interrupts the plans that we have. And then we find ourselves on a detour. Maybe our career has taken a strange turn. Maybe a very special relationship has taken a turn into a hard place. Or maybe the the hard and unexpected turn is that there is not a special relationship in your life. No one anticipates the detours into poor health or depression or unemployment or divorce or the loss of a loved one. No one plans grief. Sometimes you you do get exactly what you did plan for, only to discover that it has overwhelmed your life and it takes you to places that you did not plan. And so we all know about detours. And we find that our life is not where we want it to be. Like the Hebrews who longed to return to Jerusalem, we want our life back on track as soon as possible. In chapter 28, the chapter before what I read this morning in Jeremiah, we're told that a a false prophet named Hananiah got the people really excited. These Jews who were in exile got them excited that he assured them that their exile would not last for very long. He claimed to have a revelation from God that would make their detour into Babylon very short. But the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah to say, No, there is no quick way home from this detour. And it is true that most detours in our lives take longer than we would like to get back on track. I think I know something about long detours. I didn't go to college with a plan to wind up as a pastor of First Presbyterian Church. It's a great job for me. It's a a great fit for me. But I certainly didn't have a plan to get here. I started college with plans to go to medical school. I should have known this was a mistake as I was never actually very good at science. I actually remember sitting down with my chemistry professor my sophomore year while he looked over my lab report. He said it was one of the most well-written lab reports he had ever read. He affirmed me as an outstanding writer. The only problem, he said, one little thing, was that my hypotheses didn't make any sense. My calculations were all wrong, and my results were scientifically impossible. But man, it was well-written, he repeated. He then gently asked if I had ever considered a major in English. I was a little offended, of course, but mostly because I knew that he was right. I was actually pretty devastated at the time as I thought about all the hours that I had put into my pre-med classes my first two years. But now, looking back, I am so thankful that I bombed as a pre-med student. 
Because without that failure, I would never have gone to seminary. I would never be here. With lots of weaves and turns into different places, I finally landed here in this place. But there were no shortcuts. There were lots of detours. Along the way, I learned an awful lot, I think. I, I discovered that God takes detours very seriously. And that ultimately, if we have the eyes to see that many detours are nothing other than a gift and a blessing. The well-known Presbyterian pastor, Dick Halverson, used to conclude worship services by saying, you go nowhere by accident. This little phrase goes to the heart of the doctrine of providence. God doesn't have accidents. This means that nothing is wasted. There is no wasted experience, no wasted hurt. God can use anything, everything, even when we can't see the point of the detour that we are on. And even when we use the freedom and choice that we have been given to race down the wrong street in life, we cannot race our way beyond the reach of a God who owns all of the roads. God owns the road to Jerusalem, but God also owns the road to Babylon. So the real question is not, am I on the right road today? The real question is this, I think. Are we being faithful to our mission and our calling in life, even when we think we are lost on a detour? Because we are not lost to God. And God has a calling for our life today, wherever it may be. God does not wait until we arrive in the right place to give us our calling. The right place to be called is where we are right now. After dismissing Hananiah's illusions of a shortcut out of exile, the prophet Jeremiah gave the calling of the Lord to the Hebrews in Babylon. He says, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you in exile and pray on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. There it is. That was their calling, but that's our calling as well. Plant yourself in the life that you have been given, Jeremiah tells us. Build your home, raise your children, go to work, pick up your dry cleaning, fix dinner, live the life that God has given you. Perhaps we were hoping for something more extraordinary or more heroic. But from the perspective of heaven, nothing is more heroic than quiet acts of faithful living conducted day after day, even when we can envision another place to be. You may not want to be in your job. You may not want to be living alone. You may not want to be in Richmond. You may not want to be living at home with your parents. You may not want to be living at home with your adult children. But for today, for today you are. And so now what? Will you choose to live there well, with a grateful heart? Will you seek the welfare of the city where God has sent you? Remember, we are not here by accident. Part of our calling is to care for our city. The phrase seek the welfare in Hebrew is shalom, which means peace and well being and restoration. Will you seek the restoration 
of Richmond. Because the city is not here for us. We are here for the city. That's the way calling works. It's easy to complain about all the things that aren't right. About all the things that the city doesn't provide for us. But living faithfully into the word of God is to do something to help the city. Certainly to pray for it. For in its welfare, Jeremiah promises, you will find your welfare. Then in verse 11, Jeremiah gives us one of the most beautiful, one of the most well-known verses of the Bible. Surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for harm. To give you a future with hope. This verse probably hangs on the walls of as many homes as any other. It provides great reassurance by telling us that in God's way and in God's timing, a future filled with hope will unfold. We all need that hope. But this verse cannot be pulled apart from the verses that precede it, which call us to faithful living in ordinary, everyday ways. Biblical hope does not turn our face away from the present. It allows us to return to to today, believing and trusting that tomorrow is safely in the hands of God. Only then are we free to see that every day is filled with grace and holy beauty. And that is what gives us joy, one ordinary day at a time. Once we start to pay attention to the grace of God breaking into our lives, we begin to participate in it. We become creative. We become even a little mischievous. We take piano lessons. We buy a bicycle. We get a puppy. We start raising some chickens. That's a big thing now. Did you know? (laughs) We redo our hair. We grow a beard. They're little things, but they're ways that we begin to squeeze all the life that we can out of the present day. If we cannot find joy along the way, we certainly won't find it at the end of the journey. We think sometimes that joy comes from getting precisely what we want, but more often it comes from surprises, from unexpected gifts. Like being on a road that we thought was a detour, only to discover that it was the road to a flourishing life. The great enemy to joy is anxiety. About the future. Am I in the right place? Am I with the right people? Am I going to have enough? And that anxiety fills our hearts. It leaves no room for joy. And when we are anxious, we miss the surprising and unexpected ways that grace breaks into the everyday. And that means that we often miss the beauty of this life. And so I believe God's word for us today is this, and I'll I'll close with this. Let's embrace the detours that we are on and those that will come. Let us let go of the anxiety, the need for control. Let's let go of feeling sorry for ourselves. And let's begin to look at our circumstances in a new way. We don't have to like our detours, and we certainly don't have to seek them out. But as they are an unavoidable part of our human existence and experience, we have choice and we have freedom in how we interpret and how we live our lives 
in the midst of the detours that come. God enables us to have an abundant life, a flourishing life, no matter what our circumstances may be. No hardship, no sin, no hurt separates us from God's love. No hardship, no sin, no hurt excludes us from the promise of Jeremiah that God's future for us and for our world is a future filled with hope. Thanks be to God.